Ron Ananian. Mr. Ray, how are you this afternoon? I was doing good. How about you? I'm good. Let me get going because we got a lot to go on and uh, talk about today. Wait, 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 wait. Let me come in there and wind you up. Yeah, I'm I'm all wound up. You know, I took a nap. The last hour I was kind of because I was, and now I'm like ready to go. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The Car Doctor. You know, Walt, what do I tell you VW stands for? Uh, I think I forgot. What was it? Uh, virtually worthless. Come on, shame on you. So, you know, <laughs> I just uh, wanted to hear you say it you again. Know, I really yeah, you know, it's... Listen, Volkswagens are great for the economy. You can't buy enough parts in a single day for them. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. It is time to start your engines. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. We can uh, do a lot of things from there. You can get out the Spreaker and uh, look at the podcasting. We also stream vis-a-vis Cardoctorshow.com. So um, that's the place to be. I am Ron Ananian. I am here to fix your car this hour, as I have in the past, and will be in the future, God willing, uh, because that's what this radio show is all about. I'm just here to help you fix your car. No big deal. So um, if you've got a car problem, if you've got a question, give us a call, and let's, uh, let's get it solved. Let's kick the garage doors open right away, because there is a bit of a line. Let's go over to Craig in Wisconsin, 08 Chevy Silver. Craig, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, welcome. Hey, I got a, when I kick it into a four-wheel drive, um, the service four-wheel drive light comes on. Okay. Does it does it actually go into um, four-wheel drive? Uh, it kind of feels like it does once in a while. The traction control stays on, and you can feel the back end kicking in and out. Okay. So it's it's not necessarily engaged and working correctly. So there's a fault in the system. Yeah, and that's 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 a statement as well as a question. Um, so it, is it every time, yeah, it Craig? Does, it does not. Is it every time you shift it into four wheel that the the service four wheel drive light comes on? Yep, okay. and then I shut. I can shut the car off. I'll shut the car off, the truck off, turn it back on, and it goes away. All right. Well, until I kick it into four-wheel drive again. Okay. So the way this system works, in a nutshell, is there's there's a trans control, there's a transfer case control module, and an encoder motor. And what General Motors does is, depending upon whether you're four high, four low, or two-wheel drive, they report to that module gear position or gear shift position in order to help compensate and make changes in how the vehicle is going to operate. So the, the simplest and easiest thing to do is somebody needs to hook up through the OBD2 port, the diagnostic connector under the dashboard, and pull codes, but not using a generic scan tool. They've got to go in year, make, model. They've got to go in vehicle specific. 
Uh, difference being, just for okay. just for everyone's enlightenment, you always hear me talk about OBD2, uh, onboard diagnostics too. Onboard OBD2 is a missions mandated protocol and coverage covered by the Clean Air Act of uh, uh, 1991, uh, right, 91 to, uh, you know, mandate for clean air and when to turn the check engine light on. That's one set of software language. This is going to be a transfer case fault, and that is not going to affect emissions, so it will not be covered under OBD2. You've got to go in under vehicle make and model, so it's got to be 2008 Chevy Silverado. It's got to be a vehicle-specific scan tool capable. Likely you will see a C as in Charlie, C0306, or other C-related codes, which are transfer case drivetrain type faults. Um, you know, this could be from, and you know, maybe if you want to crawl under the truck or get it up in the air and look under the truck, the transfer case shift encoder motor is 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 usually on the the front side of the uh, transfer case, if I recall correct, on the driver's side of it. Uh, you know, is there any moisture in the connector? Is the connector damaged? Is it still in its bracket? Is it intact? Um, does the module itself, you know, did something come up and strike a component from the road? It's, you know, we've got this computer mounted down low, which, you know, depending upon the rough road you're on in your four-wheel drive vehicle, can create havoc. Short of that, it's got to get diagnosed. Um, it's it's got to get diagnosed, and I would encourage you to do it sooner rather than later because operating it in what I'll call not correct four-wheel drive or, you know, um, uh, not correctly set up four-wheel drive can hurt and do more harm than good. Uh, you know, so it's, um, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's really something you should get looked at right away. All right, sir. Okay, I'll have a, I'll have a cold run in that and do it under the... Uh, make and model and yeah. go from there. Yeah, what kind, of, what, what kind of scan tool do you have? I don't have one, but uh, a guy that's got, he's got the OBD2. Okay, as long as, as long as he can get into, and when I say year, make, model, it's got to be year, make, model, and then it's got to be able to get into all modules, all systems. So, so he could okay. he could go into, and I guess I've got to add this now into my into my language. There's OBD two emissions related. There's year make model emissions related. Then there's year make model all systems, meaning it will look at okay. engine or you know powertrain control module, which is emissions, transmission, transfer case, instrument panel, entertainment, mirrors, ABS, airbag. You know the the, the number of systems is just. It just goes on and on and on. There could be, there could be forty, fifty, sixty modules on some cars today. On on you know everyday common cars, Chevy Impalas, um, uh, you know uh, Ford Explorers. You know it's, it it doesn't take much for a vehicle to have forty or fifty control modules in it. So when I say year make model specific, year make model specific with the capability to look at all vehicle modules. That's the easiest way to make that statement for me. All right, sir. Okay. All right. Yep, thank you. Good luck to you, Craig. Let's get over and talk to David in Iowa, 2003 Malibu. And uh, what's going on here? David, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Hey, thank you very much. I'd like to make a a quick comment before we get to the uh, Chevrolet. Go ahead. I want to wish you and your staff a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Christmas time is all about love, and thank God you're there to answer our questions and get us out of trouble. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. Now, but on the on the Malibu, it's my wife's car. She's got a lifter that went bad in it, and it's been going oh tippity tap tap for about a, oh, three months now. And I took to a mechanic, and uh, he said, oh, "Don't worry about it; it'll keep on running for a little while." Now I don't know what he meant by a little while, and I just wondered, is it 
how hard of the job is it just to uh, replace the lifter? It's got 200,000 miles on it. I'm thinking we're just going to let it uh, blow up or whatever, quit, and then uh, we'll be able to honestly get rid of the little love car that you had. Well, uh, y- y- you know, David, the, the problem is, you know, is it just the lifter? Is the lifter hydraulically collapsed? Or, or, you know, blocked or restricted because there's dirt or contaminant in the oil, not allowing it to um, operate properly? Is it sticky? Is it is it that there's a problem somewhere else in the drivetrain? Is, is the cam lobe partially worn, uh, causing the lifter noise? I mean, there's, there's a couple of possibilities. Uh, to get to it, the intake manifold has to come off. Uh, this is the V6, correct? This is the 3.5 V6? Yeah, right. So, you know, the intake manifold has to come off, which is a bit involved. Uh, You know, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, I think as a matter of fact, didn't you call in a while back over the summer you had a Monte Carlo that was sitting behind a gas station somewhere that you were working on? Yeah, I wanted to show you what happened to that car. I took it to the, I had new tires and all kinds of stuff on it, but I just sacrificed everything, all the good parts and everything we put on it, and I took it to the salvage yard. Right. I couldn't help it. But but you, you took that intake manifold off, correct? Didn't, didn't uh, you? No, didn't, no, no, they haven't. Uh-uh. They okay. haven't done anything. He just listened to it and then come out and give me an opinion. So yeah. I think, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, not. I mean on, on the other car, I thought you had worked on the intake. You had some sort of problem with coolant or something. But regardless, um, you know, it depends on how loud the noise is. All right? You know, how much of a noise is it and how much do you want to invest? Uh, you know, yeah, it's, at, not, it's not a loud. Yeah, it's not a loud noise. It's just a, you can just you can hear it. You know, but when you're driving, you can't really hear too it, much it, of it. it so. It's like it's like a watch tick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd probably let it go. You could try just just for you know giggles. You could try putting in. Uh, you know, some sort of cleaner in the oil. They make um, they make various products out there. Uh, sometimes yeah. the best thing in the world is a pint of automatic transmission fluid. Good old GM Dex. Uh, put a pint of Dex in it and let the car sit and idle for you know a half hour, an hour, and see if the tick goes away. See if it frees up any sludge, and then change the oil before you drive it. Um, you could yeah. put maybe a quarter or a half a pint, half a pint. Um, half of a pint, so a quarter of a quart, in and drive the car and um, see if that frees it up over time. But at, at the real question becomes, it's at 16 years old and you know, 200,000 miles, how deep do you want to get? Everything's fixable. It just depends on the pocketbook and, you know, what you want to do. I just wanted to get stranded, uh, Ron. You know what I mean? Yeah. on the highway somewhere, so... I think, uh, you, you know, David, not, not that I can see from my seat here, but I think to worry about a tick on 16 years old, 200,000 miles worth of car, I, I think there's a lot of other things that could happen. Um, yeah. You, you know, the, the, the time bomb is already ticking, no pun intended. And, right. and I'm glad you said that because, you know, I, I, I value your opinion, Ron. So it's, if it's, you want to get rid of the damn thing, get, we'll, we'll get rid of it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think it's – you know why? Because, you know, winter's coming. My way of thinking, winter's coming. The road is a very unforgiving place. You know, whether she gets a flat tire or the engine grenade somewhere on a back road in Iowa in the winter, can't be too warm there uh, come January, February. Yeah, we will. 
We won't find her till spring. Right. So. And it's it's a matter of safety. It's what's your life worth? And I'm always floored by, I admire the way you think, David, because I'm always floored by people that'll be, hey, you know what? We can sneak our way through till March or April. We don't need to put tires on it, or we yeah. don't need we don't need to yeah. fix the charging system, or we don't have to put wiper blades on it. It's um, The road's a very unforgiving place. So, uh, you know, if the option is there to replace it, let's replace it now and all sleep good at night. Bottom line. Okay, God bless, God bless you guys, and thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate it, and you have a wonderful holiday. You too, David. Merry Christmas. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron hey let's get over and talk to john in georgia 07 chevy impala john welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help hey um yeah i got a problem with my 07 impala um we in the morning when we go to start it up and i get ready for my wife uh put on the heat on high and stuff in about 20 minutes later we come out there and it's blowing cold air so she gets in it and drives away and about four or five minutes later it starts blowing hot air so i took it to the dealership and the first thing they said was low on antifreeze so they put antifreeze on it. and then they said there was a crack in the uh radiator so they fixed that uh and then the, they gave it back to me the next day same thing happened i take it back and they said that uh, it's leaking again, and they checked the water pump was bad, so they put a new water pump in. Came back next day. Did the same thing. Again. Still no heat. So then they said it was a switch, so they put a new switch in, and, and then it does it again the next day. So I really don't know what to think to do now. Okay. Um but I bet they collected money all along the way, right? Say again? I bet they collected money from you all along the way, oh, right? Yeah. About yeah. three uh, different times with uh, antifreeze. So that's what, 20 bucks a shot there? Yep, yeah. yeah. I mean, the first comment about it being low on antifreeze and, you know, the crack in the radio, that makes sense, right? Low, cool, right. low coolant level, the system's airbound. That makes perfect sense. So, you know, the rest of it. I don't know. Are we reaching? Uh, you know, my question would be, listen, if I was the shop foreman, my comment to the tech working on it would be, here's this Impala. It's low on coolant. It needs a radiator. Make sure you bleed the air from the system. Make sure before the vehicle leaves it's got heat. And make sure you pressure check it to look for other leaks. I mean, that would be common sense, wouldn't it? Uh, right. You know, to, to come back and that, because now you know what it is? You, the customer, right. you, you're losing faith in them as a repair shop. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and they look stupid. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Ron, hey, listen, dude, I call them like I see them. I've been doing this too long. I'm allowed that luxury. Uh, you know what? Stupid is as stupid does, and Ron doesn't like to look stupid. Ron tries to be as, yeah. as, as accurate as he can. Yeah. So, you know, the first question I've got is, if, if someone were to start this cold in the morning, um, obviously it's going to be cold there, but once the thermostat opens, once we get up to heat, where's the heat? Where Where is this? Is this is this um, still blowing cold air? 
you know, my first question would be, what's engine temp? If engine temp is 180 to 190, 200 degrees, I got to have hot air coming out of the ducts. If I don't, then let's go to the heater hoses. Feel the two heater hoses. One's going to be a little hotter than the other, but they're both going to be hot. One will be, if if the engine is at proper temperature, one's going to be uncomfortable to touch. The other one's going to be, you know, a little less, typically 15, 20 degrees. If, if, If I've got good flow through the core, I'm going to have two hot hoses. And and at that point, you know, what do I got? If I'm still blowing stone cold air, stone cold, John, then mm-hmm. I'm gonna, then I'm going to tell you one of the one of the blend doors. Think of the front door to your house, okay? Front door right. to your house. You want to get more air into the house? You go over and manually open the door. On a car today, we use something called servo motors. It's just a little electric motor made completely out of plastic and copper. I think they took all the guys that were racing slot cars in the 60s, and they had them design these things because they're really cheesy. And this little plastic motor opens and closes the door to allow air to blow over the heater core and to position air away from the heater core, hot, cold, cooler, etc. If it's blowing stone cold air, maybe I've got a stuck blend door. All right, that that the door and the uh, you know for whatever reason it doesn't get moving until the vehicle is running, um, or do I have a restricted heater core? Is the core itself clogged or partially restricted? How many miles are on this car? Uh, hundred fifty. Now, you know it probably wouldn't hurt to back flush the core, and that's that's simple enough to do. I'm sure any competent mechanic can figure that out. Although. I'm not sure if the dealership you took it to could, because I'd be surprised if they let the car go. To the, you know, <laughs> if, well, if, if well, they, every time they did something, it, it would it would start after it done. It would be blowing hot air right. because that's just what it did. It's only in the morning when it sits overnight that it does it. Well, you know, why don't we take it to them on Tuesday night, and this way on Wednesday they can start it and see it blow cold air. Right. Yeah. I mean that would be the, you know, in their defense, and I'll I'll defend somebody too to to the death. But in their defense, if they can't see the problem, listen, I I I almost got into a not an argument, but a little bit of a heated discussion with someone on Friday. She didn't understand. She came in for an oil change, and she said, "Check the battery." Okay, I changed the oil. I checked the battery. The battery passed. She goes, "Well, did you fix the battery light?" You didn't say fix the battery light. You said fix the battery or check the battery. Turns out her battery light's coming on intermittently. And I had to explain to her, if I can't see the problem, I can either guess or wait till the problem becomes more predominant. Same thing with your guys. If they can't see the problem, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to go back to these guys. I was here three times. I gave you good money. You know what? You're my guys. I want you to fix this car. It's time for this cup of coffee conversation about I'm going to leave it the night before. Tell me what you think it is, and then we'll go from there. All right? Do that and call me back. I'm curious. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Tom in Wisconsin, 04 Honda Odyssey. We're going to go on an Odyssey here and fix Tom's car. Tom, what can I do for you? Well, I can't keep this car running. Okay. Uh, the battery keeps draining on me. Okay. And uh, I am just uh, had everything checked out on it, 
it, uh, if you drive it every day, it's fine. But if you leave it sit for three to three four days, battery stone dead. Okay. So have it's, we have we done this? Do you have to drive this car? Well, let me let's go through basics. They've done a battery load test. Yes. All right. You know they've charged the battery. They've done a battery load test. The battery passes. Yes. Okay. They've done a charging system test. They've checked the alternator to make sure alternator voltage and amperage output is correct. Yes. Okay. And then the vehicle sits and the battery still goes dead. Yes. Have they done a draw test? Do you know what a draw yes. do, you, do you understand what a draw test is when I say draw test? Uh, I don't, but I'm sure the mechanic does. Well, never assume. Um, you know, never assume if, we, if, if, you know, because sometimes the simplest things, has he said he's done a draw test? Well, I, I watched him put a meter on the, on the battery and, uh, looking at it and, um, it may be something like, uh, 0.02 or amps maybe where, where it's just sitting idle. Uh, they saying that's, um. That uh, you know to keep the computer running and the clock and that right and twenty milliamps. So yes. did did they do this test with the battery disconnected? Yes. Okay, they disconnected one of the battery cables and they put a meter in series with the cable. Yes. Okay, um, they're correct. Fifty milliamps is considered the maximum, but. So it sounds like what you're describing to me is 20 milliamps, and it took, what, 15, 20 minutes for that number to drop down and be an acceptable draw? Does that sound about right? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, they checked it out a couple different times, and it's been, it was sitting down there for a couple of weeks, and then the last time I went to go get it, it was dead, and okay. then they checked it again, and it was, it was looking like that. We used different batteries. I had my battery back to the battery shop. Uh, they... I left it there for five days. They checked it every day, and it was fine. We used one of the mechanics' uh, shop's batteries, a new battery in it. Um, the weird thing is they let it sit one time, they said, for uh, three or four days, and it was perfectly fine. And then with their battery, and then we put, um, so he was saying it was the battery. Then I took it, had the battery checked again uh, for about the third time, and, they said it was fine, and then he actually put his battery in it. They drove it on a Monday and uh, and started it up, uh, brought it in, put some new tires on it, put it back out in the shop, and on Thursday it was dead again. And that okay. was with their batteries. So. Okay. Do you know what a, Do you know what a thermal imager is, Tom? Uh, sounds familiar, but not exactly. So, you know, a thermal imager is a fancy heat gun. It takes a. It'll actually present a picture of temperature of items in, 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 in the screenshot. So if the shop has, and, you know, Snap-on makes a great thermal imager. As a matter of fact, they just came out with a new version of it. Uh, basically, you can just, you know, park the car, pop the hood, park the car, make sure that if the vehicle has um, an alarm system such that if the hood latch is open, that it doesn't create a draw in and of itself. So if you have to, you may have to latch the hood with the hood up. In other words, close the latch by hand to, to trick the computer into thinking the hood is closed. Or look for a plunger switch. If there's a plunger switch, it's got to get disconnected just so that we're not creating a draw. But basically, we want to, you know, hood up, doors open, 
close, turn off the door switch as best way you can, and let that vehicle go to sleep. And then we want to take a thermal imager and walk around the car, all right? What's the temperature? Is everything equal temperature? And we want to pay particular attention to the fuse boxes under the hood. So take the covers off, all right? I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah. And, you know, you want to look around. There's, there should be a fuse box on the driver's side. There may even be a fuse box over on the passenger side by the glove box. Again, some switches are going to have to be disabled so lights don't stay on so we don't create a draw. Get the vehicle to go to sleep. Take the thermal imager and start scanning the vehicle. Does something show temperature more so than the item next to it? What I think you're going to find, and this will be located in the underhood fuse box, and the underhood fuse box, I believe, to the right, the passenger side front corner, is the, a, the AC compressor clutch relay is going to be stuck on. Not an uncommon failure. The relays, right. go, the, the relays go bad. They'll stay stuck on. Um, there's a couple of relays because they're all there's four or five relays depending upon how the car is optioned out that are the same manufacturer, Mitsabo or something. It's um, uh, something uh, uh, to that extent as far as it sounds, and that relay is likely sticking, and it'll do it intermittently. It won't do it all the time, and it'll create that draw. So you know we can right. we can do this by looking at thermal image and heat temperature, or we can just Try popping a relay out one at a clip until we find the one. Have they considered well, that? Well, that's what. Yep, that we actually did that, or I did that because uh, I brought it home the last time, and uh, I, we unhooked the as an aftermarket remote start with an alarm on it, and we actually unhooked that and uh, brought it home, fully charged the battery, let it sit for five days, and it was completely dead. So I charged the battery up, ran the car for an hour. And um, the, took that air compressed air conditioning relay out, and actually um, I switched that because it's a normally open switch. So I thought if I could pull out the two of them that are next to it that control the fans, the cooling fans for the radiator, that I would put it in. If it is stuck closed, that it would uh, that the fan would come on, and it did not. So, but. Uh, I actually left that that one out for the last three days, the air the air conditioning one. Left the other two for the fan in, and uh, this morning it's dead again. Okay, so you know, like I said, there are other relays there um, that are the same manufacturer. Hence the thermal image. The thermal image will show what's hot. The only other thing you could do to prove a draw is if you have a good digital volt ohm meter a DVOM, is yes. put it in record mode and just leave it hooked up. Set the car up for an amp draw test, leave it hooked up, and walk away. Make sure it's got a fresh 9-volt battery in it. That 9-volt that battery should last upwards, I think the number is 72 hours, uh, 72 or 96 hours if you want it to drain a 9-volt battery completely. If you put the meter in min-max mode record, most of the meters on the market today will not auto turn off, and you can come back to it, you know, the next day or the day after that, and look to see what was the max amperage reading. If we see a spike, then we 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 know we've definitely got a draw issue. Something is turning on at random, and then we'll have to figure out how to go and attack that. We'll have to take a look at a wiring diagram and maybe 
um, split the car in half, you know, um, uh, in terms of componentry to, you know, how do we measure from this or that side of it? But first, let's prove that we've got a draw and that we're not chasing something else. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, or, like I said, get a thermal imager and, and, you know, when you see the draw occur, you know, to, to look at it live on a meter, when you see the draw occur, uh, you know, let's, um, let's, let's, let's do a thermal image and, and, and see what we see. Um, be mindful, too. Odysseys, yeah, they seem to be one of those vehicles that have these little compartments in God knows where with light bulbs. Um, glove compartments come to mind. Are there any bulbs in the back um, in little compartments that when you open them, the light's supposed to go on and off? You know, could one of those be on? You know? See, the neat thing is if we do the record and we see the draw, if it's drawing two amps, two amps is a bulb, typically. If it's drawing 10 amps, it's something bigger. You know, so the size of the draw will tell us what to look for also and help break down what it is that we're chasing. So, um, you know, we can do this with or without a thermal imager. An imager will make it easier. But let's uh, let's attack it like I just described to you. All right, sir, let me know what happens. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Don in Wisconsin, 94 Cadillac, El Dorado. John, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, Thanks sir. for taking my call. It's a welcome. pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, sir. You too. I, thank you. 1984 Cadillac, El Dorado. It's a beautiful Ron. It's uh, what they call a Sonora Saddle. Uh, my mom bought it brand new. Uh, it was $24,000 at the time, in 1984, and I inherited that car. It's got 70,000 original miles on it, okay. and it's been an excellent car. It's always started up. Uh, I've never had any issues here and there. Um, I've done different things with the transmission flush and that, and currently the radio went, and I sent away for um, a different part for the radio, and that's coming. My question to you today um is the uh, never had any issues with the engine or the transmission, but in that model, in that car, is there anything I should be on the lookout for, Rob? You know, yes and no, everything and nothing, John. This is this is this is the forty one hundred, correct? This is an HT forty one hundred. Yes, and, uh, I believe first year of the uh, yeah dual injection, right? And 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 how many miles are on this? Seventy thousand. So you've already gone double what the normal lifespan is of the engine on this car. Um, wow. just, yeah, just they weren't they weren't great. Uh, this this car this engine was the beginning of the downfall of General Motors in the eighties. Uh, you know really? this yeah it was just it was just a problem from the word get from the word go. Um, all kinds of weird things happened with you know the HT forty one hundred that everybody said the HT stood for hook and toe because that's what happened to him so often. Um, uh, <laughs> you know it's it's I can tell you stories. I remember this engine when it first came out. I was doing limousines and hearses for the other side of the building that we were renting at the time, and that um, was limousine and hearse for the local caddy dealer. And I would talk to the dealer techs from time to time about the limousines, and they would tell me stories about the 4100s, um, everything from at uh, 30,000 miles. And this is an interesting story in that at the 30,000-mile mark, General Motors called for all the intake manifold bolts to be retorqued. 
And if you ever took a party 4100, you would see that the main uh, bearing for the crank support was the center bearing. And what would happen is because it was an aluminum, it was so much aluminum used in that engine and everything was structurally based on everything being tight, hence the reason GM called for the bolts to be retorqued after so many miles. When they were retorqued, you would pull things back to square. Well, what happens when something sags over time? It wears that way, right? So right. You'd, you'd retorque everything back to square like you're supposed to, and the dealer text would tell me that the car would get from the service bay to the door of the shop, and the crank would let go and break in half because it just couldn't take. It would just become a louder noise, louder noise, and then boom. Um, so if you got 70,000 miles out of this, brother, you did good. Um, yeah, I, I've always done regular oil changes. I've done two transmission flushes. Yep. Same mechanic who's my cousin, who I trust implicitly. Yep. You always say that a good mechanic is priceless. Yep. Um, I love driving it because it's just like driving a boat wow. down long river. And it was, and it was let's face wonderful. it, it was it was mom's car. Um, yeah. You know, it's, we, yeah. We, we go yeah. out for a ride. We think of mom. You can still see mom behind the yeah. wheel, right? Yeah, uh, yes. you know, and that's yes. that's the best part of it. I would tell you not to get too crazy with you know chemicals and 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 things like that. I would just continue to do what you're doing, due diligence. You know, just staying on top of it. I definitely wouldn't retorque the intake manifold bolts, no matter how many times somebody told me to do that, um, okay. because I know the problem that creates. And you know, maybe you'll get the one that goes a hundred thousand miles. You just might. But yeah. it's I can I can tell you this: if the engine does fail. I don't think there's parts for it anymore. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I, no, and I say that, you know, small block Chevys, some of the other cars, some of the other engines, you know, the stuff out there, 4100s. GM stopped producing those, I think, back in 88. And they okay. did so because they wanted this engine to go away because they knew what a disaster it was. Um, so just, just, just be mindful. All right, sir? Yeah, thank you very much, Ron. You're very welcome. Pleasure talking. You too, sir. You take good care and have a good rest of the day. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. Real quick, let's go over to Ryan in Michigan. Ryan, what's going on? i got two and a half minutes, babe. i got a 2010 Ford Transit Connect van that as I drive it down the road, the door open alarm comes on okay. every now and then and it just kind of drives me crazy yeah i can understand that um i can understand that so you know the easiest way or what my first thought is you know do we have a switch that's shorted pulling the circuit to ground and turning the light on the easiest way to do this is you know are, are any of the doors loose is this a delivery vehicle is this a beat-up work truck how fresh and clean is this and how tight if you know what i'm saying do the doors close Right. I've checked the doors. Um, it is a delivery vehicle, but um, it's in really good shape. Uh, other than that, and like, it'll go for a couple of days without it happening. Okay. So then all of a sudden, it you happens. hit a bump right. or you turn left. You so, know? so, you know, let's get it into a mechanic and let's put a scan tool on it. All right. And what we want to go into is we want to go into the body or gem module and we want to look at and see those switches should report to a module, because the, the, the module has to know if the door is open to turn the light on on the dash, right? That light just doesn't appear, you know, by magic. Um, l let's look at this on a scan tool. Let's look at data stream. And uh, look at what we're talking about, data stream for a door module, right? And okay. let's, let's see, does, does, does it have the ability to report door switch status? And does it tell us which switch is intermittently showing open? 
All right. Okay. So, you know, if there's what? There's three doors on this car, four doors on this truck. Four? Four. So, that, you know, you'll probably see like a left front, right front, middle, and rear um, in, in the pit lift. And let's just go for a ride. It might have to sit with the mechanic for a day or two until he gets it to happen. And one of those is going to switch state even when the door is closed. Um, easiest way to go about it. So let us know what happens. I'm running any of the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 